my friend, you have found the Functioning Hot Mess Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Murray, life coach and author. I started this show to share life lessons and hot mess moments along with a few shenanigans to let you know you're not alone in this roller coaster of life. Each week, you'll get a solo episode or an interview to help you improve your self-confidence, create healthy relationships, or become a better parent. If you love what you hear, hit subscribe and I'll automatically show up in your downloads each and every week. All right, let's get on with the show. I'm so excited for this opportunity to introduce you to my friend, Rachel Selzner. She is amazing. We met a couple of years ago when I was writing my book and it's come full circle because she has a part in an amazing book. So in this episode, you're going to hear so much goodness. First of all, let me tell you about her book. So she is part of a compilation of amazing, powerful, strong women and their stories. The book is a series. It's Don't Be Invisible, Be Fabulous series. And her specific book is book seven, and it's okay to value me. And this book is filled with stories from different women talking about difficulties that they've had. I mean, it covers grief, chronic illness and pain, breaking patterns of abuse. It's like a mixed bag of all the adulting things that we go through. And it is so good. It is definitely worth checking out. Go to Amazon. I'll have some links in the show notes. The book again is It's Okay to Value Me. I mean, what a perfect title, right? I just love it. So in this episode, you're going to hear Rachel and I talk about her difficulties and struggles that she had in the medical system. She had a lot of illness. She almost died. They basically almost left her on the table essentially with like, good luck. Sorry, it's you're not going to get better. And how she overcame that, how she has turned and really created this amazing life for herself and helps others through that life as well. She's a naturopath and a yoga instructor. Her mission is to make the world a better place. Sounds familiar, right? (laughs) And she loves to help others feel their best and enjoy their life to the fullest. So this traumatic experience as being a patient really helped steer her onto this path that she's on to heal herself and teach you how to heal yourself. So you can connect with her on her website. It's www.wildlygrounded.com. And you can connect with her there, do a consult, she'll meet virtually, and she does all the stuff. She also has some natural healing supplements. She's got all kinds of good stuff. So definitely check out her website. And as you're going to learn in this podcast, she has given us a discount. So you can enter the coupon code HOTMESS. It's all one word, HOTMESS, and you get 10% off any of the supplements if you choose to go that route. So definitely check it out. I know I'm going to get some. I'm super excited about it. So not only are you going to hear about the medical journey, but the part that she shares in this book is actually about her personal life, her trauma experience with her ex-husband. It's tough to read and it's a toxic relationship and then some. And so I definitely want to encourage you to listen to this full episode because you're going to get two completely different aspects. You're going to get the health and wellness physical stuff, and you're also going to get the emotional trauma and physical pain and all of that that she went through with her toxic relationship, her abusive relationship. So this is packed full of goodness. I know you're going to love it. Make sure you stay tuned and let me introduce you to my friend, Rach. Well, Rachel, I am so excited to have you on the Functioning Hot Mess podcast. This is so exciting to me. We have known each other for a minute and we were brought together through books. And how cool is that to have this come like full circle? 
It is. It's very exciting. I'm I'm excited just to talk to you for the first time, like kind of in person. <laughs> I know, like not through social media and Facebook yeah. and all of that. Yeah, it's very exciting. <laughs> it is. Yes. Thank you so much for being my guest. Well, let's just start by letting the listeners know who you are. Tell us about yourself. So my name is Rachel, Rachel Selsner. I am a naturopath, a yoga instructor, a former wilderness guide, like you name it, been there, done that kind of thing. But it all boils down to being on a mission to make the world a better place. Um, I started out early in my professional life thinking that I was here to save the planet kind of thing. I went through several of my own personal health struggles where I was not functioning, not enjoying life, really was just kind of left behind by mainstream medical, um, left to die, essentially, on my deathbed in (laughs) a hospital 1,500 miles away from my family. And I just said, there's got to be a better way for this. Like, I was not being listened to. I was not being taken seriously. Um, At one point, I had one doctor say, oh, I think you just miss your husband, which (laughs) was obviously not the cause of my stomach pain that we later found out was an extra section of intestines and scar tissue that was covered, covering that section of intestines and had basically tied itself in a knot. Yeah, that was not because I missed my husband. Wow. Um, Yeah, right? So I was very frustrated, to put it mildly, on top of not feeling physically well enough to really advocate for myself like I would like to. So my new mission is to make the world a better place by helping others feel their best and enjoying life to the fullest. Because if you could imagine a place where we all felt our best every single day or even close to our best or... Maybe that's too far to imagine. Maybe just 10% better every day. Imagine what a better place it would be for us all to live in if we all felt better every day. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe that, you know, when we feel better, we act better. And absolutely. We, yeah, we show up for life. Just, you know, I had a just a little illness a month ago or something, and it just kind of took all my energy. And I remember thinking, I knew it was temporary. And I was very grateful because I was like, I can't get my energy. Like I can't feel my vibe, my norm. And I really had a lot of compassion for people who go through that every day. So yeah, it can be a challenge, whether it's short term or long term, but it's very empowering to be able to help guide others through that healing process and know that somebody else has been there and, you know, kind of walk them through it and know that they can be better and they can feel better and they can enjoy life again. (laughs) So tell us a little bit how you did that. So you're left basically on your deathbed and now you're here. Like what was was that? How did, where did you start? Where did you go? What'd you do? Yeah. um, Well, it was really a long process. Um, My entire life I had had this weird unexplained pain that would kind of come and go in my lower right stomach area. At one point, I think I was in sixth grade, 11, 12 years old, I had to spend a couple nights in the hospital. They were observing me thinking I possibly had appendicitis, um, had every test you can imagine under the sun. I've been poked and prodded every which way you can imagine. (laughs) At that point, when I was in the hospital at sixth grade, they just came up blank with no answer. And they said, well, I think you have a chronic appendicitis. And my little 11-year-old self was like, hmm think that's a real thing. (laughs) You know, so even then I was recognizing that they were failing me, you know, the the mainstream doctors. And it it was so frustrating. And I 
I had all these weird things going on that nobody could figure out or put together. There was one point shortly after the hospital stint there where I broke out in a rash just on my hands and feet. And my hands and feet were so swollen that I couldn't move my fingers back and forth. I couldn't step on my feet. I couldn't walk because my feet were like basketballs and they were like bright purple. And I remember my mom taking me into the clinic and she had to go in and get a wheelchair to get me into that into the clinic. She wheels me into the, the doctor's office and this doctor that delivered me, you know, has known me my entire life. Granted, it was short at that time, but, you know, has known me for 12 years and looks at me and goes, oh, wow, I'll be right back. And he goes and gets all the other doctors in the entire clinic, brings them all back into this tiny little exam room. And all these doctors are like ooing and eyeing over me like, oh, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? Could it be this? Could it be that? <laughs> like I felt like this like science project, you know, and it was a uh, even though I was so young, it was one of those moments where I was just like, this isn't really how people should be treated. Like, I handled it well, I think. But I also felt like, you know, I don't think this is how they should be talking to me or about me right in front of me. Like, I'm not even here, you know, even as such a young person, I was just like, this isn't cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just kind of had this feeling of like, I need to stick up for myself and say like, hey, let's figure this out here. Like, what's going on? And get some answers. And I've never been the person to just kind of accept an answer and just say, okay, well, I guess that's it. So that I think my internal drive to find an answer was a big part of what brought me to that point because I didn't just accept the doctor that gave me a repackaged Prozac when I was complaining about the stomach pain. (laughs) I was actually kind of mad about it. (laughs) And I got home and realized what it was. And I was like, this is not going to help my problem. This is not solving anything. At best, we're masking any of the symptoms here. And It was a different time for me because I had moved to South Carolina when all of this came to a head. I'm from Wisconsin originally and live back in Wisconsin again now. Yay. Um, Except for the winter. Yay. (laughs) So I had moved there, you know, basically fresh out of college and I was getting married. My then husband hadn't joined me in South Carolina yet. So I was on my own to start with. I had no family there. I didn't have any friends yet. You know, I was brand new. (laughs) Didn't have any doctors that I knew or trusted. So I bounced around from all these doctors and trying to find somebody that would just listen to me and think, you know, oh, wow, can I actually help her rather than give me these medications? One doctor prescribed me painkillers that were then taken off the market recently afterwards because they were causing heart attacks in people. Wow. Obviously, a painkiller is not going to fix anything. It was just masking things, like I said. So I kept looking for answers, and I really wanted to get to the bottom of this and solve the root cause of what was going on here. Mm-hmm. And so I flew home to Wisconsin, got married, then my husband came and joined me a few months later. It was getting progressively worse, this weird pain in my stomach. And, you know, I'm a tough Wisconsin farm girl. Like, it's hard to knock me down, right? And there were times <clears throat> that this pain would just come out of the blue And I would literally just fall to the floor in pain, like crying. And I had no idea what was going on, could figure this out, right? So I finally found one doctor and his legitimate words to me said, Rach, you seem pretty crunchy, like you're not making this up. (laughs) And I was like, thank you? I, I don't know. So he actually was kind of the one that 
helped me get to the bottom of this, right? Like he wanted answers too. And I kind of felt like part of that little girl back in the doctor's clinic where all the doctors were like, ooh, what's this story going to (laughs) be? But he wanted to know. And so I kind of ran with that as best as I could. It was kind of sad that I got to the point like all of his staff members knew my knew me by voice when I would call his office and I just kept getting worse and worse. We couldn't figure anything out. We were testing for parasites. We were, te- I mean, you name it, we tested everything. And I took in so many poop samples to the doctor. Like it was, oh my gosh, it was so terrible. I was like, I got a special deposit for you again, Susie. <laughs> I mean, so many of these things were humbling along the way, but at the same time, it was so frustrating. It was just, it was quite the process. I'm getting a little long-winded here. But anyway, so finally, it got to the point where my then-husband literally carried me into this doctor's office, and he looked at me and said, Rach, you're losing. You need to be admitted right now. He wouldn't even let me go home to get a change of clothes or anything. Like, he sent me straight to the hospital checked me in. I was in the hospital for eight days. Had him and four other doctors who a few of them I had seen along the way. One was a new doctor that I hadn't seen before. He said she was the smartest person he had ever known. And if anybody was going to figure this out, it would be her. (laughs) I said, okay, let's figure something out. After eight days, I had no answers still. And they were just going to send me home. And, you know, I said, no, because then what? I was 23 years old. Like, then what? I'm just going to wither away to nothing. I had lost so much weight. I was so weak. I couldn't hardly walk. Like it was just terrible. So finally talked with the doctor and he finally agreed to do an exploratory surgery, but he wanted to have all of those doctors in there because they had no idea what they were going to find. So he was a gut doctor. We had an OBGYN. We had, I don't even remember all the other doctors that were in there. And again, I kind of felt like, oh, here, I'm in this lab experiment again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So they did a laparoscopic exploratory surgery in my lower abdomen and found this chunk of intestines all covered in scar tissue, basically tied in a knot. So it's not that unusually uncommon to have a lengthy section of intestines there or extra long part of intestines there. And when they would do like the barium enema test, the weight of that would straighten out this section of intestines. When they did the CT scans, like you can't see that type of tissue. It was like every diagnostic thing that we did wouldn't have seen what was going on. And (laughs) so there was no way to find out until they just literally went in there to dig around and look and see. Wow. He said that the extra intestines plus the scar tissue was roughly the size of a small cantaloupe. It lays down in my pelvis, like right in front of my uterus, and causes all kinds of dilemmas. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. So it's still there. They have no idea why I have it, why it's there, where it came from. We're assuming it's a congenital thing, but we have no idea. You know, I remember coming out of the anesthesia. By this time, my mom had flown down to South Carolina to be in the hospital to try to help me out a little bit. And I remember coming out of the anesthesia and the doctor being like right in my face, like, Rachel, we found all this scar tissue. What happened? Like, (laughs) did you have an injury you didn't tell me about? You've never had surgery before. We could tell because you didn't have any incisions. He's just like, and I was like, oh, I don't know. Alien birth. <laughs> no kidding. Right? I, planet, I, like, I don't know. <laughs> right? Like, hmm, especially right now. Jeez. So that was the start of all the health issues. Fast forward a bit. I struggled with infertility, miscarriages, continued unexplained rashes. 
anemia that was unexplained, fatigue, muscle and joint pain, like I was convinced they, that I was going to be diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. There were days I just physically could not get out of bed because my spine and hips and knees hurt so bad. And again, tough Wisconsin farm girl, like it's tough to keep me down, right? And migraines, I mean, migraines where I physically could not make words come out of my mouth, you know, it was just all kinds of crazy stuff. And I needed answers. And that's why I went back to school for myself, really, and just for my own knowledge. So I had already started in a master's program for natural health from this naturopathic doctor program, transferred into that. I started working in a chiropractic office and, you know, just by talking with people was realizing that, oh, a lot of people are struggling with their health as well. It's not just me. (laughs) I mean, I knew that it wasn't just me, but I didn't understand how many people were having so many problems. And so it turned into this calling that I never really expected or saw in my life where I was helping people with their health. It worked out that I did all of my clinical work and everything through that chiropractic office where I was working with people that way. I was a young parent by now (laughs) and working full time. And then I jumped right into a PhD program as well, where I combined my initial passion for the outdoors and nature with health and have combined all of that now into a fabulous program because nature is essential for our health. And I think that is a huge component that so many people are missing And we have gotten away from so much of our natural lives with social media and we're experiencing things through a screen more than ever. (laughs) So that natural connection that we have is key component to our physical and emotional health and also to just experiencing joy in our lives. You know, and I, I talk about this a lot where it's like an intuitive thing, right? Somebody's sick, we send them flowers. That's nature, right? (laughs) We get some sunshine. We're feeling depressed. We're like, let some sunshine in. You know, we picture somebody sad sitting in a dark room. Like all these things that we just intuitively know that we aren't incorporating so often. There's so much research out there to show how nature supports our physical health and healing. Um, You know, even people recovering from surgery in a hospital room with a view of a park recover faster than people with a view of a parking lot. (laughs) You know, so just simple little things like that. Growing up on a farm and an outdoorsy camping kid, like that was just part of my foundation growing up. And I have realized that it influences everything in our life, from our physical and emotional health to even our relationships and the quality of our relationships. I was just looking over a few of my blogs this morning, and I wrote one about how nature deepens our connections with people and how my longest friendship that I've had throughout my entire adult life, starting in college, was formed because we worked at a camp together in college during the summer. And we were outside always and hiking and doing all these adventurous things. <laughs> and that's really what formed our bond. And when we get together, that's still a lot of our time together is camping. We have a camping trip planned this summer with us and our kids. and. It's really incredible how that influences so many different areas of our life. It is. And I really love that we're talking about this because I think that, and at least for a lot of us, 
in society, typically we go to a doctor because we're not feeling well and they give us a pill and what if it doesn't work? And then we keep going yeah. back and there's, I'm hearing more and more from people about how I'm not being heard. They're not listening to me. I'm getting a pill and it's not doing anything. And just, it's so frustrating. And I think that it's reminding ourselves that modern medicine is a part of our healing, but it's not the only option and it's not all there is. Absolutely. I always tell people, you know, obviously there's a place for our, our modern medical things like we can do miracles, right? Like if you cut your finger off, go to the emergency room. <laughs> yes. If you find out that your blood sugar is a little too high, a pill is not the first step I would take, right? right. Like That's another thing I struggled with. I don't think I mentioned I was diabetic. I was in full-blown menopause at 28 years old. And I managed to reverse all of these things just by changing my lifestyle and getting back to my own route. There are so many options, like you said. <laughs> when you say that you help people with this, like what types of illnesses or ailments do people come to you seeking help for? Um, a lot of times it's chronic disease, like I said, diabetes, cholesterol issues, you know, autoimmune stuff, thyroid issues, um, rheumatoid arthritis, fibromyalgia, things like that. A lot of times it's a whole cluster of things and maybe the person doesn't necessarily have a diagnosis. They were kind of like me. They jumped around from doctor to doctor trying to find somebody who would just listen for once and, mm -hmm. and try to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And you know, a lot of times it's not just one thing, obviously, right? We're multidimensional creatures, <laughs> right? And, and you have to look at the whole person. And what is this person made of? What is this person doing outside of the doctor's office? What is this person eating? What is this person thinking? How is this person going to the bathroom? I talk about poop a lot. <laughs> That's a whole nother topic, right? Um <laughs> It's a funny topic, but we should talk about it more, right? Like, what are this person's relationships like? What kind of trauma do they have in their past? What kind of trauma is creating physical, energetic issues in their body? You know, these patterns we hold on to can change how our body is functioning. And you have to look at all of those pieces of the puzzle to really get to the root of what's going on so that it's not just like a shotgun approach. Oh, well, your blood sugar is dysregulated. Here, here's some metformin. Oh, your cholesterol is high. Here's a statin. Oh, this is wrong. Here, you know, <laughs> we have to look at the whole person and get to the root of what's going on there. And a lot of times we start focusing on, you know, the base and everything else starts to fall in line. And I call those the positive side effects. <laughs> So when you are talking about the base, what does that mean? That's an excellent question, Tanya. So. <laughs> I was waiting for that one. <laughs> I could see it. In <laughs> so my business, Wildly Grounded, if you think of the visual of a tree, right, with their roots underground, and I steal lyrics from one of my favorite bands, 311, there's a lyric that says, the roots that grow underground are as big as the tree. Can't you see? If not, it will fall down. So looking at our health as a perspective, using that as an analogy, you have to have your roots in your healthy routines and your healthy basis, right? And that's not saying like, you can't have treats per se here and there. Um, it means listening to your body, eating what's right for you. It means spending time in nature. It can mean a lot of different things to different people, which is the beauty of this as well. So the nature nerd side of me will sometimes talk about like 
the taproot. That's your main source of stability where you get your most of your nutrients, the most of your stability. And the other roots, right, that spread out are maybe not as important, but they're still important, right? They all work together and you have to find the things that you rely on most. For me, it's yoga, nature, eating well, time with my family and friends, those things that we often have a lot of those in common. But for some people, it might look a little bit different, right? It might be, you know, maybe I need to express myself through art. Maybe that's a main route for someone. Or I really need to sing, you know, whatever artistic expression you might have might be one of your main routes. But then the really cool part is that the bigger you build your root network, the bigger your base, your trunk becomes, right? And then the more you can branch out and expand and express yourself even more and live up to your fullest potential in life and enjoy life to the fullest. And that's where, like, I get so geeked out about, like, such cool stuff. Like, <laughs> and I see it with every single person that I work with. Maybe they have a few of those roots, but they, they feel wobbly. And then a storm comes along, you know, a stressful event, and maybe they almost get blown over, right? So it's really a fabulous thing, but we can always repair, right? <laughs> yeah, and I love it because it is. Every single person is unique and different. And so finding and helping, I think it comes down to what part of our life needs nurture because right. there's all these different parts to us. And if we're neglecting one part, we're weakening that root. Exactly. Exactly. And that's part of my prescription program. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my so-called prescription is we go through those different areas of your life and find what feels a little wobbly or unbalanced. And we find the ways to put those roots down and make things more stable for you. So it's really a beautiful process. Sometimes the people that I suspect are going to be really like hesitant about this whole process and not willing to dig into those roots and look at what's going on in their life are the ones that really just blow me away and gush over how powerful this is for them and how it has improved their life so incredibly. It's really been fantastic. Well, I have blows me away. To, yes, I want to transition to a different direction. But before we do, I want to know if people want, do they consult with you? How do they work with you about their health? First of all, before we move on. Well, yes. Um, if you happen to be in my local area, I do house calls. <laughs> um, I um, have transitioned away from having a physical office lately over the last two years because of how the world has changed. I was kind of moving towards that already anyway, but I do online consultations. We can do phone or video, whatever you are comfortable with, however it works out for you. It's fabulous because that way I can reach more people. And do they just book that with you through your website? Yeah. You can shoot me an email, Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, no extra letters, at wildlygrounded.com. <laughs> Perfect. I will have those in the show notes. Hey, podcast fam. Years ago, I was in a really messy place and I didn't know where to go, where to start. And someone actually recommended a book to me. I started reading and my entire world changed. It was a self-help book. And from then on, I was binging every self-help book I could get my hands on. But what I loved was that the perspective of others, the things they had learned truly changed my life. And it really put me on a forward moving path that I have never had 
had to look back on that I have been so incredibly grateful for. Now, over time, those books started to take over my house. I have a teeny home. I didn't have a ton of space. And what changed for me was I began listening to books. Now you're here, you're listening to this podcast. So I know you know the value of hearing words and being able to listen while you do other household tasks like folding laundry, getting ready for the day, mowing the lawn, whatever it is that you're doing, you're consuming it by listening. And that is exactly what I started doing to conserve space and be able to listen to more was using audiobooks. I love, love, love audiobooks because it gives me the freedom to be able to listen to any genre. I can listen to self-help and then a little bit later I can listen to a murder mystery if I want to. Whatever it is that I need in that moment, it is there. And that is why I'm so excited to let you know that I have paired up with Audible. So as one of my listeners, you can go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash functioning hot mess and try Audible for 30 days for free. Super excited about that because they have every genre under the planet. All of the good books are on there and you can totally get your fill of self-help and everything else that you might need to truly impact your life for the future. And you get to try it for 30 days free. Think of how many books you could test out in that time frame. So remember, go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash functioning hot mess and give it a shot for 30 days. If you don't love it, you cancel it. No big deal. All right. With that, we're going to go back to this episode. Also want to talk about you are in this compilation book that is amazing. And Thank so you. have you shared some of your health story and scares and all of that, but the part in the book that you talk about shares a completely different side of your life. Let's talk a little bit about, well, let's talk about the book. What is the book? So the book is a series. This is the seventh book in the series, which I think was like destiny for me because my birthday is seven, seven. And <laughs> um, just the timing of it, like I had talked to the fabulous Doris Birch who compiled these several times and I knew I needed to be in this book, but it just, the timing was right this time. And these other women that are in this book with me are just incredible. I feel like it was meant to be just like everything else. However, that works out in my life all the time, but the series is Don't Be Invisible, Be Fabulous. And then our seventh book is It's Okay to Value Me, compiled by the fabulous Doris Birch. And my story that I told, I, I went back and forth with, should I share my health story here? Should I share this other story? <laughs> and I wound up sharing the story that I call Escaping the Prom King, because this was my story of living through a 15-year marriage that was emotionally and physically abusive. And it was a transformational process for me to come out of this, not only physically through my health and all these struggles that I had on top of this challenging relationship <laughs> throughout that time, but just the emotional change that I went through that I've also started incorporating with my work as well. So escaping the prom king, it sounds kind of crazy, right? I so <laughs> little spoiler alert, I was not the prom going type in high school. Like <laughs> I went as a protest kind of in my senior year, my friends told me junior year, oh, prom was so boring. It's really stunk, Rachel, you should have been there. And I was like, wow, you're really selling it, guys. <laughs> well, you want me to go? And they're like, oh, it'll be fun if you come along. <laughs> 
And so I was like, okay, I guess I'll go. I was, you know, like this alternative, like, yeah, not my style kind of thing. So I went to prom in a polyester tie-dye dress and glitter jelly shoes. <laughs> I love it. And I was like, oh, this is going to be lame, but I'm going to make it fun for my friends, right? So I was about seven years into my marriage, and then husband's parents were completely remodeling their home. House was gutted. They were sending you know, stuff home with their children, and he got this box of stuff, and he was going through it, and he pulls out this prom king crown, and I was like, what on earth is this? <laughs> and he tells me, oh, I was prom king, and I was just like shaken to my core, like how... <laughs> What alternate reality is this where I wind up married to a prom king? I had, it just made no sense to me. <laughs> so it kind of became this joke. And there was a point during the divorce where I was really frustrated with some things. And I just, he was not seeing, you know, like the bigger picture. And I was kind of venting to my mom. And my mom says, well, that prom king's just going to have to get it through his head. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And I don't even remember what I was talking about at the time. I just remember my mom saying that. And it totally changed my attitude from being so frustrated and upset at the moment to just like laughing out loud hysterically, like the prom king. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I was like, that's going to be the name of my book. <laughs> there you go. And it definitely is such a big part of this chapter. And it really paints a picture just as a little teaser about some of what you went through, do you want to share a little bit about what you went through without giving away your whole story? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, there's so much and there's, there's so much more. Like, I feel like this is just a tiny little snapshot of how much there really was, but I kind of went back and forth on with how much I wanted to share. It was a really vulnerable thing for me to put this out there, obviously. So that in itself was a transforming process. But I think it was just really, you know, the whole idea of, I thought I understood what love was, and coming to realize that this obviously was not it. And just reframing my whole outlook on the entire relationship where I was trying so hard and I, I felt like everything was, I just have to love him harder, love him more and he will be better. And it finally got to the point where I realized there was nothing that I was going to be able to do to make things better for him or for me. And I went back and forth on trying to stay in the relationship because I thought that's what was best for my children to coming to realize that there's no way that I could allow my sons to grow up and think that it was okay to treat anyone, but especially a woman they cared for, like he was treating me. And I certainly didn't want my daughter to think that this is how someone who loves you should treat you. And that was my big aha moment for me, where when it became bigger than me, <laughs> you know, because we always think about everybody else first. <laughs> That was really where I put my foot down and said, I am not going to allow this pattern to continue any further. And I need to get my kids out of this and not let them see this and show them better examples. And so for the longest time, I felt like divorce would be a failure and looked at it as being a failure. And I'm that driven person, you know, like always try to be as successful as possible kind of thing. And it just 
I realized that what I was doing to try to save things was failing. (laughs) And that if I continued to put any more energy into this whatsoever, I would be failing myself. I would be failing my children. And it just was not healthy for any of us anymore. So reframing that to being a success to be able to move on from that was, I think, kind of the big idea. I love that because, you know, in here you say that you thought it was best for the children to have both parents living together. Now I realize how our toxic relationship was ruining my children. And it was my breaking point to finally give me the strength and courage to leave. And I love that because so many times we hear people say, I'm staying together for the kids. You know, we're staying in this for the kids. And that does have a place and it does have a piece, but you got to look at the whole picture. And that's what you did. Yeah. And I just want to encourage people to be willing to look at the bigger picture. What exactly yeah. are you teaching your kids by staying in that relationship? Exactly. Yeah. I don't think I put the exact moment in the book, but I remember it very vividly. I was sitting on the couch. I was reading an article. I was doing some research for work and I was rudely interrupted by the then husband. <laughs> and I kind of was startled because I was so sucked into this article that I was reading and he made some offhanded comment that was very rude and disrespectful. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I saw my son look up from his homework and look at me and see my reaction. And I was so mad (laughs) with him at the time and so mad for allowing our son to see that. And that's what I was so upset about. And I can't remember a time that I've ever felt so mad. I went outside and I just started running. And it was like a super hot summer day. I was wearing jean shorts. You don't run in jean shorts. I don't run. Like, (laughs) I do a lot of physical things, but I don't like to run. Like, it's just never felt comfortable for me. And I knew I was pissed off because I was running and I was just like, (laughs) and just like swearing and just, oh my gosh, letting it all out and just physically, you know, verbally, I just had to get it out. And I had no idea what else to do at that point. And I remember my son's face when I came back in the house finally, and he just looked like heartbroken, you know, I finally put it together at that point, you know, when he first looked up to coming back in the house and realizing what it was doing to him. I was like, nope, I'm done. And that was my point right there. It was just like flipping a switch. And I knew I was like, I got to get out of here. This is not working. And this is not what I want my children to grow up like. <laughs> and they even, didn't your kids even make some comments to you later about leaving and whatnot? <laughs> I opened the story with breaking the news to the children and how they responded. And my daughter at the time says, oh, mom, does that mean that we can finally get a bigger house? We, we had this tiny little house. like, And I was like, oh, my gosh, no, that's not what this is all about. And then <laughs> we went to look at a house, very stubborn, and made me move and take the kids. And I just had to get out of there. So I went to look at a house to buy, possibly. And we're driving down the road. And my daughter says, so, mom, when do you get your new husband? <laughs> I mean, this was in a matter of days to weeks of breaking the news to them. And I'm just about to burst into, well, this is not what divorce is about. You know, like she's thinking, oh, we're just swing by the store and pick some guy up, you know. (laughs) Isn't that how it works? She had a very different take on it. She said, no, because I want my new sisters. And I was like, what now? (laughs) Like, 
no, no, there are no more babies coming out of this mama. And she said, no, 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 mom, your new husband, he already has my two new sisters. And I was like, um, excuse me. <laughs> so that was, uh, quite the conversation that we had. Oh, I bet. <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a easier transition than I expected. You know, I think again, my attitude made the difference. It was more of like, this is a fun new adventure. We're going to find a new house together. And it worked out as well as it possibly could have. I wound up living with a close friend of mine. She had this huge, ridiculous house and we each had our own bedroom. We could stay with her, you know, till I found the house that we wanted to buy. She had an indoor basketball court in her house. I mean, come on, like what better place for three kids to hang and on a hundred acres of land? Like we would wander around outside, we'd play basketball. Like it was just the greatest thing, way better than I could have ever imagined. And what a gift at the perfect time. Yes, yes. And she will forever hold a special place in my heart for <laughs> taking me, my children, and the crackhead dog in. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we talked about our crackhead dogs a little yeah. ago. So one of the other things I want to bring out about this is in your story, just to put things in perspective a little bit, you mentioned these early years of marriage, I found myself praying repeatedly for him to just hit me. For some reason in my head, that seemed to be a concrete, tangible line that would prove that the way he was treating me was unacceptable. And I think that is so common for so many people where it's almost like we feel we need the physical validation to put into perspective what we're going through. And it doesn't, yeah. we don't have to let it get to that point. Yeah, we don't. I think for me, I think part of it was not feeling comfortable talking about it, not understanding what emotional abuse was or what that looked like, but knowing that obviously a physical thing was something that I was not going to tolerate. Somebody else would be able to see and say, oh, that's not okay. You need to get out of there, right? Whereas the other stuff felt kind of fuzzy, you know, like not a warm fuzzy, but a fuzzy like, oh, I don't know. Maybe people do talk like this. I doesn't feel good. That's for sure. But that was part of the whole process to me was that he totally ripped away my sense of trust in myself so that I knew these things were wrong. I knew it wasn't right. I knew I did not want to tolerate this. And I knew that was a boundary that I would have to create and had created, but he made it fuzzy and he made mm -hmm. me not be able to trust myself because of all of these sneaky little tactics, you know, and I didn't understand that at the time. And I think so many people are doing so much better about talking about that now. But I think that's also something that I've learned in relationships since then is how to set those boundaries very clearly <laughs> and how to stick up for myself and say, this is not okay. I will not allow this. You will not be in my life if this is happening kind of thing. So it's, you have to find those points and set the boundary and stick to it, you know, because it's easy to slide a little bit further each time when somebody does something or says something that you can justify or, you know, a, a lot of it for me was he was an alcoholic. And I said, oh, at first, he's only a jerk when he's drunk. That's not really him. And then he stopped drinking and I found out, oh, he really is a jerk all the time. That was really his true self coming out. <laughs> you know, like he he didn't have his own barrier up anymore, his own filter up anymore to 
control of that side of him. So I was seeing the true him after that. And, and you have to trust that when you see it. Tell people, trust people's actions. Yes. Trust their actions more than their words. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think it's important, like what you said about setting boundaries, but then also, so we have that boundary where we say, I just wish he would just hit me because of all the reasons we just talked about. But then the physical does come into play. And yeah. we still go, okay, well, now he hit me, but we still don't want to tell people. We still don't want to. Yeah. It's the deal breaker moment, but yet the deal doesn't break and we stay longer exactly. than we should. And, you know, I think like you mentioned, some people are better at talking about it now than they used to be, but I still, there's still too much of it that goes and that is excused. Yeah, absolutely. And part of that that chipping away process for me was, you know, like I said, I would justify those smaller things. And then when it got to the be the bigger things, I didn't even realize it was happening at the time. And I talk about in book two, like how I had these flashbacks, essentially, of, or like visions of seeing things that happened that I didn't realize were going on at the time. And it was totally just survival mode, you know, protecting myself and dissociating from the moment and not even realizing that these horrible things were happening to me. So it it did cross that physical line, like you said. And yeah, the boundary didn't stick because I, I didn't even realize it was happening at the time was part of it. I think for me, one of the biggest shifts as well was understanding that abuse isn't always so cut and dry you have that trauma bond with this person, right? And I was always that person that said, why would anybody put up with that? You know, like even the so-called minor stuff that I look back, I'm like, why did I deal with that? Why did I put up with that bullshit? Yes. I'm like, what? (laughs) And, And in retrospect, I can't understand why I did it. But I know, looking back, that because I was bonded to him. And because of all these other things, those sneaky tactics, you know, that were going on, like he would promise to be better and he would apologize and make this grand gesture and, oh, I'm so sorry. And I never meant to be mean to you. And I, you know, all the, I love you so much, la, 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 the love bombing thing. Like, (laughs) and I wanted so bad to believe him and, and he would do better for a while, months at a time until he would slip. And then we were right back to square one and just kept repeating over and over. And I finally said enough. So being able to recognize those patterns and recognize that the actions speak louder than words (laughs) and knowing, you know, what your boundaries are and where you need to cut that off. Well, I love this. And going into combining the trauma side, the abuse of a relationship And then combining your health issues and all that we talked about, because we know that the body keeps the score from trauma. How much of the chaos and trauma of this toxic relationship do you feel impacted your physical health? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Um, Excellent question, dear. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I don't think I wrote about it in the book either, but um, way more than I realized at the time. And hello, that's what I do. I help people get rid of that. Like, come on. (laughs) But when you look at yourself, it's it's harder to see, right? Mm -hmm. So again, one of those moments where looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, Rachel, duh, like, (laughs) one of those moments. (laughs) I had always struggled with anxiety throughout 
even my childhood. And I had it pretty well under control with exercise and, you know, eating well, doing a lot of natural things to take care of myself. I was considerably better. Like early in my professional life, I was a teacher. I literally would hide in my closet, my classroom closet during my kids' nap break time and like curl up in a fetal position on a shelf in the closet in my classroom. That's how anxious I was. Almost every single day I did that at school. (laughs) Wow. To the point where, I mean, I was functioning pretty well. I would have my moments of like, oh gosh, what's happening? And I would do some yoga breaths or, you know, some things and I felt it under control. But the thing is, is that you don't always recognize it as that. And shortly before these revelations of what was going on with the kids and, you know, realizing that I had to get away from him, I had a scare where I honestly thought I was having a heart attack. I had no anxious feelings for several months, even years probably leading up to this point where I felt like everything was pretty controlled and I was doing pretty good. It came out of the blue. It was like the classic heart attack signs. I had pain down my arm, chest pain. I felt heavy, all of these and here I'm this health person and I'm like, geez, what is going on with me? I'm like, I think I was 37, 38, maybe at the time. Like I was like, what? And I finally, I called my aunt who lived real close by. She came to stay with the kids. That guy I was married to took me to the emergency room. <laughs> and this was another one of those aha moments, again, kind of in retrospect, but I'm sitting here in the the emergency room thinking I'm having a heart attack. They're doing testing. They're, you know, giving me everything. He's sitting on a chair in the corner of the room falling asleep. (laughs) And they found nothing wrong, obviously. And it turns out it was a panic attack like I had never experienced before. I had had panic attacks, but never with those physical symptoms. Mm -hmm. And I realized, oh my gosh, His physical presence is causing my body to say, get away from him now. (laughs) And I wasn't listening. And I say this all the time with people. I'm like, listen to your body. Listen to your body. Listen to the whispers so that you don't have to listen to the screams. Yes. Oh, I love how you worded that. (laughs) And then, because if you don't listen to those whispers, your body will start to scream, such as a panic attack in the form of what looks like a heart attack. Or as I like to call it, if you're really not paying attention, you will get what I call the spiritual bitch slap, (laughs) where your body is like, what you listen up here. Yep. You better pay attention. I'm going to make you pay attention. You need to make some changes right now. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of our inner chaos comes from ignoring that. Absolutely. I truly believe that that is when we are at our most internal turmoil, it is because everything in our being knows we need to be going to the right and we're trying to force ourselves to go left. Exactly. And it's like, if we just listen, we listen to our body, we could take care and prevent so many things <laughs> just by listening, right? But we let the noise of the emotional abuse or the noise of stress at work or the noise of being a mom or whatever it is cover up that little voice. And so it has to start screaming if you're not listening, just to be heard. 
And the longer you listen to all the other noise and push away your body's voice, it, the louder it's going to get. <laughs> and it will get louder. <laughs> it will get louder and louder and you will get the spiritual bitch slap and your body will be like, listen up, girl. I got some things going on. <laughs> yes, I love it. Well, Rachel, is there anything else you would like to share with the listeners before we start directing them where they can find you? I think that's a perfect way to wrap things up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just writing down spiritual bitch slap. Like that's going to be my new favorite term. (laughs) (laughs) A friend of mine calls it a cosmic two by four. And I'm like, that works too. But this one, this one fits me a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) You have my blessing to use it. Perfect. Thank you. So where can, so again, the book is the series of Don't Be Invisible, Be Fabulous. And this specific book that you are in is It's Okay to Value Me. Where can our listeners find that book? So you can find that on Amazon and I can get you the link to post that up. Or you can contact me directly if you would like a signed copy. Wink, wink. Which I have in my (laughs) little hands right now. Yes, I love it. Yes. Right? It makes sense. Like you said, we were connected by books to begin with. So you can find me on Facebook, Wildly Grounded. You can find me on my website, wildlygrounded.com. And on Instagram, which I have not figured out how to change my name yet, but there yet. So <laughs> it is naturally rach. Naturally rach. Naturally rach. R A C H N B, as in naturopathic doctor. And I, sh- I share basically the same stuff there as on Facebook, but either way, you can find me any of those places. Okay. And we will have all the links like that in the show notes and in the blog post and stuff. So people can just click and go directly to you. Easy peasy. Yes. Thank you. All right, my friend. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. Yes, it has been. Oh, um, I put on my form for you too. I, I, I learned myself a new skill. <laughs> <laughs> I made a discount code for any listeners for you um, if they want to try out any of my supplements. Um, But I have just started my Wildly Grounded brand of supplements. Um, There will be more coming soon. But use the code HOTMESS, all one word, and get a 10% discount on any supplement on my website as well. Perfect. Thank you so much for doing that. So we will make sure everyone checks that out. Because I have looked and you have some good stuff on there. I I'm do. excited to try it. I'm going to use my own discount code. Yeah, girl, <laughs> do it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fantastic. It's been, oh my gosh, so much fun getting to talk with you. <laughs> Isn't she great? Can you see why I just love her? I knew that her message was going to be something that would really resonate with so many of you all on different levels. And in so many different ways, there's parts of this that we can all relate to in one way or another. So I was so, so thankful to be able to have her as a guest on my show. Now, just a quick reminder, her book is called It's Okay to Value Me. It's part of the Don't Be Invisible, Be Fabulous series. You can find it on Amazon. You can also visit her website at www.wildlygrounded.com and request from her a signed copy, which is even better. That's the one I have because, you know, I'm such a super fan of hers. So with that, she's also given us a gift of 10% off her supplements if you use the code HOTMESS as the coupon code. 
Now, that is time limited. So make sure you don't beat around the bush, like get in there and get that order made. Use that coupon code before it expires. If you're listening to this a couple years down the road, and maybe you would have loved to have gotten in on that and it's expired by now, make sure you connect with her because she will have different options and some maybe some different discounts or something. So check with her. She's super awesome to work with. She's very responsive. And just let her know that you heard this on the episode that the coupon code has been expired and you'd like to see what the offer could be now and see where you can go with that. So thank you so much for being here. I am so grateful that you're part of this community. Help us share the love, help get Rachel's message out by sharing this on social media. Make sure you tag hashtag functioning hot mess podcast so I can find you and give you a virtual high five. All right, my friend, until next time, have a fabulous day.